Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Episode 151 of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Sean St. Jacques back here with you for another week of Knicks and NBA talk. I'm fired up this week, you guys. A lot of good stuff to get to on the show this week. I've been watching soccer the last couple days as well, and there's just been unbelievable drama Uh, You guys know uh, that listen to the show. I'm a Liverpool fan. I'm hyped about the way my boys have been playing of late. I was just watching the relegation fight and Everton surviving uh, at home in their game. It was just a tremendous sporting event to to take in. And for those that don't watch soccer, you should watch soccer. So if you hear a little extra energy in my voice, uh, it's because I've been watching some crazy fun soccer games the last uh, few days including just before hopping on this podcast so also i'm excited for this damn show there's a lot of good stuff on the show this week we'll talk about what the hell happened in phoenix to the phoenix suns who are out of the nba playoffs we will talk about the celtics dethroning the defending nba champions when it looked like the champs were going to advance to the conference finals And we'll talk about the early stages of the East Finals and the West Finals. Warriors, Mavs in the West, Celtics, Heat in the East, and it's getting good already. But first and foremost, we got some lottery to talk about this week on the show. You guys have been clamoring for it. There's no question about that. Every week when we don't talk about it, you guys want to talk about it, and I get it. So let's talk about it. Let's talk some NBA draft this week to kick things off. Very exciting stuff. The draft lottery happened uh, a couple of nights ago, I believe, and the Knicks uh, did not do well. Let's be very honest. They did not improve really any, uh, you know, they they didn't do anything to help their, the lottery, I should say, did nothing to help the Knicks' chances of picking higher in the draft. The Knicks have the 11th pick uh, in the draft, which I think, think was the most likely scenario i forget if it was 10th or 11th actually i think it was 10th so the knicks actually dropped a spot if i remember correctly so the knicks dropped a spot uh they're picking 11th in the draft again there was no big chance the knicks would move up a lot but the hope was maybe the knicks would get to eight or nine it turned out it was even worse they they dropped to 11 Uh, and you know it, it is what it is the knicks have not moved up in a draft lottery i don't think since they took Patrick Ewing uh, in the 80s. So it's it's one of those things where, you know, it's a rough 
uh, situation. You know, it's one of those things where, you know, the, the Knicks have some have some bad luck. You know, that there's no question about that. When it comes to the draft lottery, the Knicks don't do well. Nothing you can do about it. Uh, it's it's the luck of the draw, literally. And the Knicks have to deal with what they've been dealt with. So the Knicks pick 11th. Uh, let's look at options, right? I mean, this is why I've been holding off. I really was trying to wait to see where the Knicks would actually pick. So then we can actually, you know, focus in on guys that are in the in the range for the Knicks to potentially take. To be fair, the, the last couple of drafts have been a little wild, you know, Mock drafts have been pretty inaccurate the last few NBA drafts because, you know, first of all, teams don't follow the mock drafts. They have their own mocks that they put together and, and they look at before they decide who to take. They they have a very, you know, again, for the most part, thorough plan of who they're going to take first and who, if their guy isn't there, who comes after that. So Orlando has the first pick. Then it goes OKC, Houston, Sacramento, Detroit, Indiana, Portland, New Orleans, San Antonio, Washington, and then the Knicks pick at 11. So the reason I rattled off those teams is, is just so you have an idea of the the teams that are in front of the Knicks and who they could potentially you know, need, which could dwindle who the Knicks might take with their 11th pick. Now, the good news for the Knicks, right, is this is a relatively deep draft at the guard position. So there's actually a decent amount of, now, I'm not going to say point guard, but guard position. There's a, there's a good amount of guards out there that the Knicks could look at, and including, by the way, at the point guard position. But there's a lot of combo guards, a lot of shooting guards, and there's some point guards out there, pure point guards that the Knicks could potentially look at with the 11th pick. So... Right off the bat, multiple mock drafts have the Knicks taking Ochai Abaji out of Kansas. He's a shooting guard, guy that played, you know, all four years at Kansas, had some COVID. I think there's a COVID year in there, but I'm not entirely sure. But he's a senior, and he, you know, he's, he's leaving this year to, to go into the draft. I like him a lot. I, I don't know if I like him with the Knicks, but I do like him a lot. And he's somebody at 6'5 who could potentially be a ball handler. I just don't know... Again, the Knicks need a pure point guard, and, and that's where this draft is tricky because there's a lot of good guards out there, and the Knicks do need depth at that position. However, you know, for what's in the Knicks' range, and again, there's a few, we'll get to the few point guard options in a second that the Knicks could be looking at, but if the Knicks stand pat at 11, which again, the Knicks just don't trade up from this position, they almost never do, um... There are a few options, but mostly you're looking at shooting guards here. Now, they're very good ones. You know, Ochai Abaji, I think, is one of the top players in this draft and, and could be a phenomenal pickup for the Knicks. He could certainly fit in to what they're trying to do. Now, there's a few other options. Uh, Shadon Sharp out of Kentucky, a freshman, 6'6", 210, another shooting guard. Johnny Davis, a sophomore out of Wisconsin, who at some points during this year... Johnny Davis was the best player in America in college basketball. The best player. Now he dealt with injuries towards the end of the season. But that doesn't mean the Knicks shouldn't look at him. Actually, I think there was a report out yesterday that the Knicks, or either yesterday or earlier today, that the Knicks are going to interview Johnny Davis. And, and rightfully so. Now, 
The issue with that is he is likely going to be a top eight pick. I don't see Johnny Davis slipping past, you know, New Orleans or San Antonio. San Antonio is ninth, but you get my point. I don't think they, I don't think he's going to really be in the Knicks range. Uh, Benedict Matherin out of Arizona, and I apologize if I'm mispronouncing that. Another guy I think the Knicks might interview, but and again he's a superior player, a very talented player, six seven. He's kind of a two or a three. At 6'7", has a lot of upside. Even as he, I think he just finished his sophomore year at Arizona, very good player on a very good team. Arizona are, was one of those teams that, you know, kind of burst onto the scene early, went on a crazy good run, and then kind of faded in the NCAA tournament. He was one of their best players, if not their best player all season. And I think his upside in the NBA could be tremendous. Like in two years... Benedict Matherin could be one of the best player, one of the best young players in the league. He's got that kind of talent. Now, the one thing I should mention, again, is he's probably a top five pick, maybe top six or seven at the worst. Knicks are not going to get anywhere near him. They're not going to get anywhere near Jaden Ivey either, arguably the best player in the draft. I think worst case scenario, Jaden Ivey is the fourth pick. I'd be shocked if we're sitting at five and Detroit has the choice between like Jaden Ivey and Matherin and Davis and, and Murray, at least one or two of those guys are going to be gone without question. You know, I mean, lately, I'll say this, when you look at the top end of the draft, you know, last time we talked, I think the, the three guys that we kind of had, you know, our eye on who's going to be the first pick were Chet Holmgren, the seven-footer out of Gonzaga, uh, Paolo Bancaro, the six-foot-ten, uh, really strong big man out of Duke, and then, of course, Jaden Ivey, the combo guard, sophomore out of Purdue, who I, I argue is the best player in the draft. I think, I think he's absolutely tremendous. And I think any NBA team, as long as he stays healthy, would be extremely excited to get him. Now, the, the Knicks, that's not to say the Knicks have no options here, right? Ochai Abaji is a great option. But again, when you look at point guards, they're all going to go very early. The best ones. You know, Jaden Ivey is a top five pick. No question. The other the other point guard option, and, and I should say, some of them will go too quick. Some of them are just not in the Knicks range. He might be reaching for a point guard. One point guard that I just want to throw out there, and I, and I don't know if he'll be in the Knicks range or not. Because again, some have, some have the Knicks taking him. Others have him going earlier to San Antonio, Washington, Portland, Detroit. Maybe not Detroit, but the latter three, yes. Like Washington, San Antonio, Portland. Kentucky freshman guard, Ty Ty Washington. 6'3". The Knicks love their Kentucky guys over the years, Knox and Quickly and and others. Ty Ty Washington's a solid player. Very good player. I, I would argue he's a top 15 prospect in the draft. Some have him going in the top 10. I think that's a little high, but, but he's very good. Ty Ty Washington at, at Kentucky... Very, very great prospect. And a guy that could come in and, and be a factor with this Knicks team. However, he's not a home run, right? He's not going to come in and be the starting point guard. I just don't see that happening. It would be very unlikely for that to happen. I think the Knicks would be more likely to take an Ochai Abaji, someone who could come in and contribute right away. And the Knicks need scoring. They need depth as well. Because again... We don't know what Cam Reddish's future is going to be. We don't know. Because, again, there, there's, there's a, there are multiple reports that Tibbs didn't even want him. So 
that's up for discussion. There's there's things when you look at the depth with quickly, when you go, you know, where's where's his future going to lie? The Knicks have to figure it out, but I don't know if Ty Ty Washington is the answer. Jaden Ivey's an answer, you know, and the Knicks are not going to get him. So then you start to look further down. Blake, again, we're still talking point guards now. Blake Wesley out of Notre Dame, freshman. 6'5", but he's more of a combo guard. Now he played, again, he played both in college on a Notre Dame team that barely got into the NCAA tournament, but he had some really good games and some really good moments, Blake Wesley, during the season. He's going to be a top 20 pick. I just don't know if he's a pick that the Knicks should make. He would be a reach, I think, at 11. Now, another player that you're starting to see, you know, some talk around the Knicks maybe being, you know, an option for for pursuing him, Ian Begley, I believe, was writing earlier, I'm not sure if it was, again, I apologize, if it was today or this week, but multiple people are starting to write about Dyson Daniels, who's a G League player. I believe he's from Australia. And this is a guy that, you know, again, he's 6'8", right? But his G League head coach sees his future at the point guard position. And when you look at options moving forward and, and the way the league is going, could Dyson Daniels be an option for the Knicks? I don't know. Some have Dyson Daniels going as low as 21 in this draft. Some have them, I think, even a step or two lower than that. Would he be a reach for the Knicks? Maybe. However, he could be an option. But you better, you know, again, he's somebody where you better be all in on him because, you you, you know, he's a guy that you need to look at, you know. He'd be somebody, if you pick him, you better play him, you know. That's where the Knicks are in this draft. They're, they're in that 11 spot, but you're, you're trying to get guys that are going to play next season in the draft, especially with that 11th pick. So for me, for me in the draft, if you're, if you're around 15 or higher, you're hoping the guys that you get, maybe not our starters, but will play for you next season, right? That's the hope. They will be contributing factors to next season's roster. Now, the rest of the first round, I mean, Kennedy, uh, Kennedy Chandler out of Tennessee is a point guard that, that I just don't think fits the Knicks. He's a little too you know undersized for me. Not sure if he's a guy that really fits what the Knicks do defensively either. Had a great season, no question. Tennessee as well had a great season last year, but... I just don't see him being that guy. I, I just don't. And I don't think he's a guy that, that fits what the Knicks are doing, but but should be on the radar if you're talking point guards. Now, again, we do this every year because it's the Knicks and you never know what they're actually going to do. But here's our, uh, these are other options out of the guard positions, in particular out of the point guard positions, where I think you need to look at, where I think you really, if you're the Knicks, you need to take a look here and compile a few of these guys. Now, one off the bat is Jalen Duran player out of memphis guy that you know again is 611 250 a power forward center option for the knicks I, I don't know if he is a great fit but i do think he's a great player and the knicks need great players so i i think that he's an option in that position tari eason another player out of lsu i think again if if it's up to tibbs only i think he might take him he's a really good player on both ends of the floor could be an option. No question about that. You look a, bit, a little bit further down, Kendall Brown out of Baylor. Another guy that could play the three or the four at 6'8". 
I think he's an option. You know, I, I think he's an option if the Knicks go that way. We mentioned Dyson Daniels on the point guard shooting guard front. But I've also heard some pretty good things about Jaden Hardy as well, another G League option that could be in the mix, that could be a guy the Knicks look at as an option. You know, it could be a guy that you look at and you think, wow, this this guy could actually help the Knicks out quite a bit. Now, last thing before we look to the, to the Knicks' second round pick, the Knicks have the 42nd pick in the draft as well. Bottom half of the draft, I should say bottom half of the first round, there's a few options, right? I mean, again, the Knicks aren't there, right? But you're talking about guys that the Knicks could reach for, right? Because the draft, again, stocks go up and down constantly, right? They really do. There's a few guys. There's a few guys that could sneak their way into being in the Knicks. Um, I, I should say in the Knicks options, in the Knicks peer view. When, when you look at the full picture of that 11th pick, a few guys could come to mind. EJ Liddell out of Ohio State is a scorer can really rack up the numbers. Good rebounder as well. A power forward, but somebody that the Knicks could have as an option. I don't know if he's a long-term guy, but I think right out of the draft, he could help a team. Now, I I think there are teams that are better fit for him, right? I think if you look at a team like Indiana, maybe even Orlando. Orlando's got a bunch of picks, by the way. Orlando, OKC, who just need talent, right? Portland is another I think Portland in the second round might go after a guy like Trace Jackson Davis, who who will, who will sorry who we will get to in a second. So there's a lot here. There's a lot to digest. There's a lot of guys. Wendell Moore, by the way, another guard out of Duke, you know, could be an option. So those are guys to look out for when you look at the first round, possibly early second round. Now the Knicks are basically like smack dab in the middle of the of the second round. Forty second pick is right in that middle quadrant. It's, this is where it could be anything. It's all over the place. And the Knicks have tended tend to do well in the late first, early second round, the last couple of drafts. So I'm hoping that the Knicks could find a gem here. Now, right off the bat, I, I'm skeptical with a few of the mock drafts, having Hugo Besson, uh, the, the combo guard out of France. He just, it just screams Nilakina to me. But there are people that are high on him. You know, it's not like they're taking him in the top 10 like they did with Frank Nilakina. But he's got, he's a guy that a lot of people have talked about in the second round. Now, I don't love the pick at all. I'd rather go with a Wendell Moore, frankly, than a Hugo Besson. But like I said, Wendell Moore might be in that mix. Trace Jackson Davis, who's, who's a power forward, just a great score as well, could be in the mix for the Knicks as well. If you're looking local, there's a couple of really good small forwards locally in the tri-state area who've had good seasons. Julian Champagny uh, playing at St. John's could be a very nice option. You guys know me. I'm a Seton Hall guy. I don't think the Knicks should, should take him, frankly, because I don't think he really fits what they're doing, but he's a former Knicks ball boy, a guy that has a connection with the team from a, a youth standpoint. He's from Baldwin, uh, New York. Jared Roden. Guy out of Seton Hall has had a tremendous season, all-conference player on an NCAA tournament team. I think he is an option if the Knicks want to go that way. I don't think they'll take him, but... And by the way, I just... I don't think he really fits... I think Champagny actually would be a better fit uh, for what the Knicks want to do. However, uh, and I am a little biased here, I must say, but Jared Roden's a hell of a player and a hell of a defender as well. And I think Tibbs would certainly notice that. By the way... 
last time we talked about the draft, right? Julian Champagny was barely in the second round and Jared Roden was off the board. So th- their stocks have both risen quite a bit. They've had a couple of combine things and, and draft meetings and, and showcases and things over the last week or so. And guys like that have, have upped their stock tremendously. Julian Champagny is now a top of the second round option for teams. Jared Roden could get picked between 43 and 50 now. Most of, most of them uh, of the mock drafts, I should say, as I keep fumbling a little bit, I apologize. Most of the mock drafts have Jared Roden going around 48, 49 now. Sacramento, Minnesota, that range, right? So that changes very quickly. I'm telling you, it, within weeks, the draft can change. We still have a while to go before the NBA draft. I, I had to check earlier today. The draft itself is on June 23rd. We still have a month to go. So a lot can change, you know? A lot can still happen between now and then. But I, I think it's worth mentioning that those are some guys. I mean, towards the bottom bottom end of the draft, you know, there's a couple of options, but these are off the board kind of guys where you're not really sure, right? Cameron McGusty out of Miami. J.D. Note out of Arkansas, who's a bit of an undersized point guard. Isaiah Brockington, who had a great season at Iowa State, a combo 6'4 guard who can light it up from the field. These are all wild card kind of picks, you know? And I'd argue that you know, maybe even a guy like Travion Williams out of Purdue, a really good big guy, or Jordan Hall, a combo guard out of St. Joe's, those are also those kind of options. I mean, even a guy like Brady Manick, who was on the, the NCAA tournament runner-up North Carolina team last year, guy that transferred in from Oklahoma, a veteran guy, but a guy that can add something to your team, add some character, but also add some athleticism down low, and a guy that can really rebound the hell out of the basketball, and a guy that will fight you to the end. Brady Mannix, a hell of an option. So there's some really good players at the end of this second round. I mean, Drew, I've even mentioned Drew Timmy out of Gonzaga, you know, a guy that is a really good scorer. I just worry a little bit about his physicality in the NBA. I don't know how he'll do there, but he's a really good scorer and rebounder around the basket. And I think if he can add on a little bit of, of muscle, and I know he's 235, but He's got a he's a little thin. I feel like he's a little thin for his position at 6'10. If he adds on a little bit of muscle and gets a little leaner, Drew Timmy could be a really good NBA player. No question about it. One last thing I want to mention, because we do have to take a break. We do have to get to some NBA playoff talk as well. There is a little bit of a, a, a what's the right word? A little bit of a monkey wrench thrown in at the end of this draft. Miami and Milwaukee at 55 and 54 respectively have forfeited their picks. So that impacts this draft. There are some guys, and this is not necessarily, this doesn't really involve the Knicks, but there are some players now that might not get in to the draft and you have to look at, you know, signing them through free agency afterwards because there's now two extra picks that are off the board because Milwaukee and Miami have forfeited their picks. So we talked about that last time, but that is something to look at as we get closer and closer to the draft on June 23rd. There's no question about it. So as always, I know I just threw a lot of stuff at you guys there. As always, let me know what you guys think the Knicks should do in the draft. And let me know. Yeah, let me know what you think they should do at 11, what they should do at 42. 
as well. Should it be a point guard? Is the is this the right time to fire a shot at a point guard here and try to go all in? Or do the Knicks just look for talent and try to get deeper and try to get, you know, better basketball players on this team and continue to try to build this culture and really rebuild this culture from the last season? Or will the Knicks go nuts and, and, and finally actually trade the pick or trade for a player or, you know, really, you know, make a big move for a big time star that's already established in the NBA? No idea, but that's why I'm asking you guys, and that's why I'm hoping you guys are still as excited as you've been the last few weeks to see what happens. So again, let me know what you guys think at SJ7 on Twitter or postingandtoasting.com in the comments section underneath the Shock Shock Knicks podcast logo. Let's take a break. When we come back, what the bleep happened in Phoenix to the defending Western Conference champs? And how did the Celtics come back from 3-2 down to dethrone Milwaukee? All of that and more is next on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Second half of the show. Let's dive right into the crazy game in Phoenix. Goodness gracious. We ended up having... Uh, a couple of game sevens in the second round of the NBA playoffs, both of them involving last two, uh, the last uh, year's NBA finalists. And boy, did it not go well for the defending Eastern and Western Conference champs in game seven of the respective series. Obviously, we already had known that the Warriors had taken care of business over the Grizzlies. And I was saying, you know, the Warriors were talking a lot of junk in game five however without John Morant the Warriors were able to back up the words with deeds in game six and they dominated especially in the second half Golden State thoroughly deserving their series win they talked that they talked the junk but they were able to back it up fair play to them again no John Morant which really changed this series but Golden State gets the last laugh Memphis is out Golden State into the Western Conference finals of course Miami dispatching the 76ers and knocking them out of the second round as well. But it set the stage for two really good game sevens, at least on paper. Both of them ended up being blowouts. I mean, we start in Phoenix where I I remember I I had the game on in the first quarter, right? And I stepped away. You know, I, I had the game on. I stepped away and I'm thinking, I'll come back to this. It should be a good game in the second half. So let me... You know, let me just do a few things. I had to run a couple of errands. I left the game on in my apartment and I came back and I I was absolutely gobsmacked by the score. I I believe when I came back, it was midway through the third quarter. And if I, if memory serves, I again, I don't fully uh, remember that. Actually, I think the score was the score that was on the Luca Devin Booker meme, I think. I think the score in the meme was the score when I came back. And I believe that score was Dallas 70, Phoenix 31. That was the score when I came back. Because I remember seeing the Luca smile and then seeing the score and just absolutely stunned. Couldn't believe it. To be honest with you, now I forget how much time was left in the game. Actually, let me let me find the photo. 
Yeah, okay. So it was 70 to 31. So I was right there. There was 829 left in the third. And Phoenix was down by 39 points. I mean, just unbelievable. Unbelievable. And I forget what the high watermark for the lead was. But besides the fourth quarter, Dallas absolutely smacked Phoenix around. I mean, it was a drubbing. Now, looking at the box score, and, I, and I, I'm only looking at it just to get some of these numbers right, because they're astronomical, astronomical numbers. Phoenix was down by 30 at the half, and they were down by 42 going into the fourth quarter. I mean, just unbelievable stuff here. And I think they lost by 33. The final was 123 to 90. And, and I just remember looking at the final score and thinking, how could this have happened? How? You know, I would have backed Phoenix. This is why I don't gamble, right? I mean, I if you had told me before the game, Sean, you don't have to lose the money, but tell me who to bet on. This is why I don't, I, I, and I don't normally do this, right? I, I have friends every once in a while that will ask me, you know, whether it's soccer, basketball, baseball, ba- college hoops, whatever. Sometimes people will ask me like, what should I bet on this week? And then I go, don't ask me. Just don't do it. Because I, I've learned my lesson, you know, people like that are going to, you know, they're going to remind you when you get it right and then they'll remind you when you get it wrong and you feel bad because they're, they're asking you. But, it, but it's one of those things where like, you can't tell, you don't know what's going to happen. It's why we love sports. It's why this, it's why you get that rush, you know? And like I said, I would have put money on Phoenix to win game seven. I would have thought no chance no chance the Mavericks go in there and win. No chance. Not only did they go in there and win, they crushed them. They crushed them. It was never a game. The, this was a this game was done by the midway point of the second quarter. You could see it on the Phoenix faces. On the Phoenix Sun faces, the game was over. I was watching the highlights back, and you could just tell midway through the second quarter. They, they they realized what was happening. They were getting run off the floor and they had no answer. Luca was tremendous. 35 points in a game seven. He gets the furthest he's ever gotten in the NBA playoffs. He gets to his first ever Western Conference final. Spencer Dinwiddie, by the way, had 30 points. He was unbelievable. Jalen Brunson, who could be a Nick next year, for all we know, had 24, six rebounds, was unbelievably unbelievably strong. And that was more than enough for the Mavericks to win. More than enough. And I think the biggest disappointment for me, not just the performance defensively, because Phoenix defensively was awful. But you just look at the numbers from their big stars, right? Devin Booker was terrible. That was one of the worst games I've ever seen Devin Booker play. He had 11 points in 37 minutes. Chris Paul had 10 points and 4 assists in 31 minutes. Even, even Mikhail Bridges, 33 minutes, he had six points. Jay Crowder, nothing, five points. DeAndre Ayton, five points. These are supposed to be the stars of this team. You know what I mean? It, it, it was just unbelievable. In game seven, your stars need to show up, and only three of them were in double figures, and none of them had more than 
11 points. You know, and, and, and one of the people I threw in there was Cam Johnson, who's a guy that only plays like 20, 25 minutes a game for Phoenix. He had 12 points. He was their leading scorer in a game seven. Just not good enough. And Phoenix, a team that has been through it, they've had those moments where they've been where they've been up against it. And a lot of times they've come through it. I think the only time you could argue they haven't was in the finals last year where they were 2-0 up and then let it slip and never got back into the series. A lot of questions to be asked. Because, again, I expected Phoenix to get back there. And they couldn't get out of the second round. It's remarkable. But let me shift it now. What a performance by, by Dallas. Unbelievable. Honestly, tremendous. The best Dallas Maverick playoff performance since Game 6 in Miami when Dirk Nowitzki took down Miami's big three to win the finals. I mean, that's what we're... Those are the levels we're talking about here. That's how good Luka was. That's how good Spencer Dinwiddie was. That's how good the Mavericks were as a whole. That's the level. That's how good they were. They absolutely, thoroughly decimated the defending Western Conference champions in a Game 7 on their home floor. You just got to hold your hands up. Dallas were tremendous. Really, really impressive. And they moved on to the Western Conference Finals. Now, we've gotten far enough along where we've had Game 1 of the Western Conference Finals. Not a great start (laughs) for Dallas. Let's be very honest. Once again, you know, Golden State is up for the fight. I mean, they were... Tremendous Golden State. They won 112 to 87, and uh, and it could have been worse, to be honest with you. Dallas, as good as they were in Game Seven, that's how bad they were in Game One against against Golden State. But they can rebound. They can rally in this series. I mean, to be fair, Golden State were unbelievable in Game One. They played one of their best games of the postseason. Seven guys were in double figures. Steph had 21. Clay had 15. Andrew Wiggins, I think, had his best game of the postseason, or at least one of them, 19 points. He was tremendous. Jordan Poole had 19 as well. Even Otto Porter Jr. was in double figures. I mean, and even Kevon Looney was in double figures. That's when you know you're having a rough night. When Kevon Looney's in double figures, you're not having a fun night. So Golden State threw their big punch at Dallas in game one, and we'll see if the Mavericks, like they did against Phoenix... And like they had to uh, a couple of times against Utah, we'll get back off the mat. We'll have to see. The Warriors have have given the Dallas Mavericks an opening statement. We await the Mavericks' rebuttal in Game 2. Now, the other Game 7, and and this one, frankly, I was very disappointed in as well because I thought this would be, this series has been so good. I, I thought the Game game 7 would have a tremendous conclusion. It did not. Um Dallas, you know, had pretty easy work of Phoenix. So did Boston over Milwaukee, 109-81 in Game 7. Now, let's let's be clear. Uh, Milwaukee got off to a tremendous start. The Bucks were really good in the first quarter. I think they had a six-point lead, seven-point lead. And Giannis was playing well. Holiday was up for the fight. It was really impressive. But the second quarter is where the game changed. 
you know, once again, Boston was raining threes. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I, I they were unbelievable again, Boston from three. Let me check how I'll get the, the exact number in a second, but they were unbelievable. I think they, they must have made at least 19 or 20 threes. They were, they were unbelievably good from three again, like they were in game six. So it came down to that second half. Could Dallas, I keep saying Dallas, could Milwaukee fight their way back into it? And it only got worse. It only got worse. Milwaukee kept it within around 10 to 15 for a good chunk of the third, but then the fourth quarter, every time Milwaukee had some kind of a good play or a good moment, Boston had the answer and they put them away. 109-81. The game got out of hand midway through the fourth quarter. Got out of hand. And I was hoping for something like game five where it kind of would come down to the last possession. And fair play to the Celtics. They lost a game five where you felt like that was the game that kind of won Milwaukee the series, right? And they had two shots at knocking Boston out and they whiffed on both of them. So the champions are out. They were, there will be a new NBA champion. There'll be a new Western Conference champion as well. Both of the NBA Finals teams from last season are out in the, on the same day, by the way. They both get knocked out on the same day within a few hours of each other. Remarkable stuff. So that's how it ends. So here, here's the three-point number. Boston shot 22 of 55 from downtown. That's about 40% from three. It's just crazy. And that's what it took to knock Milwaukee out. Those crazy three-point numbers in game six and game seven were just enough to eke out a series victory over the defending champs and the Bucs are out. It's remarkable to see. So that led the Celtics into Miami for game one of their Eastern conference final series against the heat. And it was a good game. I'd say for a half again, Boston really played well in the first half. I think they even had the lead at the half by seven or eight, something like that. But then Miami turned it on with a really incredible third quarter. They outscored Boston 39 to 14 in the third quarter Boston hung tough in the fourth, but the game had basically been decided. Fair play to the Miami Heat, who, you know, again, they struggled from three in this game. It really took took them making their free throws to, to win this. Uh, Boston shot 75% from the line. Miami shot just under 89% from the free throw line. They shot 30 of 34. It's actually just over 88%. So 88.2, 30 of 34 from the free throw line. That's a huge difference. Every other stat was fairly close. That one was a big difference. Boston missed, uh, I believe, eight free throws, which in a playoff game could be big down the stretch. Both teams shot very well, but Miami were just that much better. They won 118-107. And like I said, the free throw line, particularly in the fourth quarter, kept Boston at arm's length. And the Heat take a 1-0 lead in the Eastern Conference Finals. I'm almost afraid to predict the rest of this postseason because of the way it's gone. We finally had some upsets. We finally have had some drama. Not that there hasn't been drama, but we've had some now drama lead to some upsets. And that's what the NBA playoffs, in my opinion, is all about. I do think that the Heat and the Warriors are the favorites to meet in the finals. However, I think game two for both of these teams is paramount. I think if the Heat can go up 2-0, I think they'll win the series. 
I think if the Warriors can go up 2-0, I think they'll win the series. But if they don't, if this turns into a bit of a slugfest, I, I could see the Mavericks and Celtics coming back. I really can. They they've shown it already, especially the Celtics in this postseason. But again, right, you look at that Dallas series and what they had to do to come from behind and 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 finish the job. I, I mean, it really is remarkable, you know? And and again. Uh, it, it, sh- it should be mentioned, you know, down 3-2, Dallas was. Down 3-2, the Celtics were. And they both came back to win their respective series. So, we'll see. Fair enough to both of those teams. And again, the game twos between the Warriors and the Mavericks and the Heat and the Celtics, I think, are series-defining games. And what's huge... For Boston in particular, they were without Al Horford in game one. He'll be back, I believe, for game two. That's huge. That is huge. He had some huge games against the Bucs. Can he come back and, and give the Celtics a boost again against the Heat in Miami? It's going to be a great, great playoffs to see who's going to make it to the NBA Finals. That's going to do it for this week's episode of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast. Thank you guys, as always, for listening. Really appreciate it. Again, we just passed 150 episodes last week. Thank you all so much. I'm hoping to get you guys a big announcement as well next week or the week after, depending on when it all gets settled. But very exciting announcement coming down the pike as well. So I'm looking forward to sharing that with you all down the road. Until then, have a great week, and I will see you all next time on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast, on the Posting and Toasting podcast podcast network.